introduce our speaker, Rob, Pastor Rob, is sharing at a church in Northridge today. He spoke last night, and I understand he has a, a busy schedule this morning with uh, three messages this morning. But we're not left as orphans. We, have, we are blessed to have a wonderful guest speaker who apparently has been here before. I have not heard him myself, but I'm looking forward to it. Mr. David Brody is the chief political analyst for CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. And I was looking over his correspondence and social media accounts this past week, and I can see that he's been a very busy man, especially this last week. But you know what? He made, his, he made time to come all the way from Washington, D.C. Um, to speak with us today. So let's welcome Mr. David Brody to speak to us. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is awesome. Is this this way? Oh, my goodness. This is great. This is an upgrade, as Donald Trump would say. It's an upgrade. I love this place. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wow. Uh, I am from the swamp, Washington, D.C. I'm a swamp thing. I'm a swamp thing. A little uglier than the swamp thing. Um, uh, Covering Donald Trump, and don't worry, we're getting to the Bible. This isn't necessarily always about Donald Trump. Um, But covering Donald Trump, I decided I have like an Excedrin IV drip already all all day long. Um, It's been an interesting experience, and uh, I can also see him being here and Imagine if he was speaking, because I'm not a pastor, you know, I'm just, I'm in the media. Oh my gosh, oh, someone, someone in the pulpit in the media, wait, I'm a Christian. So that's good. But imagine Donald Trump, you know, uh, you know, this is a great pulpit, love the pulpit, so beautiful, so beautiful. I could see him doing it. Oh, goodness gracious. He's a, he's a piece of work for sure. So, so I figured I had, you know, what lessons am I learning from Donald Trump? Well, <laughs> I'm learning actually quite a few, but but one has to do with boldness, and I want to talk about the difference between worldly boldness and Christ-like boldness. And I think Donald Trump can uh, help us learn a few lessons uh, to see the difference between the two. Um, He's definitely bold, for sure. Uh, A couple quick stories. So I've interviewed him 19 times. Uh, He gave me the third interview since he was president. He interviewed with Sean Hannity, uh, somebody else, and then myself. Uh, I've interviewed him 19 times, known him for eight years, nine years now. And uh, it's been a really interesting experience. Uh, God has given CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, the 700 Club, wonderful access. Uh, And we're so thankful uh, to God for all of that. And I remember one time he called me. This is, here's some boldness. He likes to be bold about, oh, I don't know, maybe like himself. Um, And he called me one time on the phone. This was during the campaign. And he says, uh, uh, I was just on Morning Joe talking about Marco Rubio. And he calls me. He goes, David. And I go, hello. And he says, you're not being very nice to me this morning. I said, what do you mean? What What do you mean? He goes, well... You just weren't being very nice. I said, but I was talking about Marco Rubio. I wasn't talking about you. He goes, I know. You were saying nice things about Marco Rubio. That's bad for Trump. (laughs) I said, you're a piece of work. Oh, my goodness. And and then I'll never forget the other time. He's always, you know, it's always about crowd size. We know. Uh, And this was in Iowa. And it was a month before. He announced in June of 2015. 
And in uh, May of 2015, a month before we were covering him, I was out there with him. We put a wireless microphone on him. We were following him around Iowa because he was thinking about running. We knew he was going to run, but it was a month before. Anyhow, and there's Scott Walker and a couple of other potential candidates out there, and they're all in this big uh, conference center, and they have some lines next to each one, and there's Scott Walker. has got about 12 people, a couple other people. And then Donald Trump's got this line all the way, uh, you know, just out the eight, into the atrium and everything. It's huge. And he looks at me, and he goes, and he shouts at the top of his lungs, David, look at this crowd. You're kidding me, right? Look at Walker. Look at me. <laughs> Okay, so bold, a bit of worldly boldness, but bold. Um, Before I get into that, just a quick little uh, story about me. Uh, I took a bold step. I grew up Jewish. Uh, I'm a completed Jew, by the way. Hey. Yes. Yeah. you know, I, I went through all of the traditions, a Reformed Jew. So, in other words, translation, we didn't know what, what we were really doing. Um, you know, we would celebrate the High Holy Days, Rosh Hashanah, Passover, all of that. And, you know, tradition, right? Fiddler on the roof. Uh, and all of that. So, you know, we really didn't get it at all. And then I went to college, and I met my future wife. Uh, she just had given her life to Christ at Ithaca College in upstate New York. And she was 18 years old, and we were really good friends in high school. We were good friends in college, went to the same college. We both went to Ithaca College. And then around 21, we started to date. And she started telling me about this guy named Jesus. And I told her right then and there, I said, I just want to let you know, I will never believe in Jesus. And here I am at God Speak Church. Hello. <laughs> God has a sense of humor for sure. Uh, I told her that. And so we broke up. Uh, We broke up because she said, well, let me tell you how it's going to go down, is how she said. She's from New York, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so am I, by the way, but she's she's a native New Yorker. And she said, look, God first, family, you, family, everything, and everything else afterwards, but God is number one. And I said, okay, well, you know... (laughs) You know, I'm a, I'm a Jewish, I'm the oldest Jewish son, you know, uh, we, we kind of have a thing about being the oldest Jewish son, you know, so I just felt like that wasn't going to work. So, um, we broke up, long story short, we did eventually get back together because I started praying and, and going, saying grace at meals, and she saw some improvement, <laughs> improvement, <laughs> what am I, a test case? Uh, and anyhow, so she saw some improvement, and we got closer and closer, and of course we were really good friends, and she, she was praying about it. Uh, she took me to Times Square Church in New York. Have you ever been there? Uh, Pastor David Wilkerson's church in New York. Charismatic. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. I'm a Jewish guy, right, who got bar mitzvah at 13, and now I'm in this charismatic church with flags and tambourines. Uh, it was uh, pretty intense, and, uh, but I listened to Pastor Wilkerson's sermons, and uh, I have to tell you, I was intellectually curious. I wanted to know the truth. And, and God can work with curiosity for sure. We're seeing that a little bit with Donald Trump. I'll explain a little later. But anyhow, the, the point simply is, is that we did get married. Um, her brothers told her not to do it. Her brothers told, and, and she says, but I'm praying about it, and he's close. <laughs> not necessarily the way you draw it up. A month later, after we got married in June of 1988, and by the way, the wedding was with a rabbi and a priest, and the priest looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I didn't know there was like a whole, I don't know what was going on there. And... <laughs> Anyhow, but the rabbi was there, 
And uh, we did the hoopah, we did the whole thing, and then a month later in Colorado Springs, we moved with our dog, or her dog, Mookie, to Colorado Springs, and at a prayer meeting in Colorado Springs, a man by the name of Lorenzo, I don't even know his last name, he, it's like Oprah, I, he doesn't even have a last name, and unbelievable, he started reciting my life back to me. He knew nothing of me. I never met him before. We didn't come with anybody. No one was planting him a story. Never met him. It was prophetic. He talked about me growing up Jewish. He talked about how uh, I was getting close and that I was not struggling with this, but this was a burden on my heart from the Lord. Uh, But he goes, you're going to have to make that decision. Long story short, right there at that prayer meeting, I gave my life to Jesus right there in that room. Yeah. Uh, and then I had to tell my mom, <laughs> my Jewish mother. <laughs> and that's where the Oiga Vault comes in. No. No, she was, she was okay. I mean, it's been up and down, but she's, she's fine. Um, so look, I took a bold step. I, I just tell you, I wanted to tell you a little bit about me, but I took a bold step. And when I think about boldness, there is that worldly boldness and there's biblical boldness. And I'm going to get into that, but I want to read you something. I, I found it on the internet, so it's got to be true. Um, no, not true, not true. Or maybe it is true. I don't know what's true. I, I think we have it up on the screen. I'm going to look, and uh, there it is. This is, um, let me read it to you. Be bold. Don't live in a spirit of fear. Boldness is our willingness to venture out and do the right thing at the right time, regardless of the barriers or fears we may encounter. This enables us to speak the truth and perform a task without fear of the consequences or results because it is the right biblical thing to do. It is realizing that God is in control. He is there within and beside us, and he will take care of us, and therefore we do not need to fear what others can do. Rather, we are to concentrate on our character and call, and with passion and conviction share with others what Christ has done for us. That is biblical forgiveness. Or excuse me, biblical boldness. Donald Trump, on the other hand, and I say on the other hand, look, he's done a lot of really bold moves, and evangelical Christians are really excited about it. And uh, I mean, I just, there's a list. I mean, I, I wrote it down here. Uh, he, he typed it up for me. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. Uh, he's like, look, you got to read this in the pulpit. Um, but look, he's, he's the most pro-life president ever, for sure. Uh, he was in a debate during the campaign where he talked about partial birth abortion. I don't know if you remember that. Donald Trump talking about, it's talking about God having a sense of humor. Um, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, he's embracing evangelicals, giving them a state dinner-like uh, reception at the White House. Uh, and they're all around him. Bold moves on North Korea. Just ask a little rocket man or whatever his name is. Uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Immigration? Okay, we'll come back to that one. But he's been bold. And, of course, he wants to do this space force, right? This bold space force. However, that's all wonderful. And, and, and God... Look, there, there is something to be said about boldness and being strong, and those are actions that, that seem to fit, mostly, Judeo-Christian values. But on Twitter, that's where we see a little bit of the worldly boldness come out. Um, a bit of arrogance. A bit of uh, controversial statements, if you will. Um, I want to play a video. This was actually south of Los Angeles. Is it uh, Palo, Palo Verde, Verdes? Why do I do this? Am I Italian? I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. Anyhow, so we're on his golf course 
you know, which he's, the first thing he says to me on the golf course, he goes, take a much, how much I pay for it. Take a guess, take a guess. I'm like, I don't know, a billion? You know, he's like, keep going. Um, anyhow, so we're on his golf course, and this is during the campaign. This is about three months after he announced, and I'm going to warn you now, we see him driving in this video. He's driving a golf cart. I'm like, you drive? You have a license for this thing? And he talked a little bit about how he loves Twitter, and I thought I'd share this with you. Have a look. We'll go on. This will go on. Here's my question. Tell me about your tweeting skills. What's the deal on there? Are you really, are you, what do you say? Hey, I want to tweet this. What has this go on? What goes well, on? between Twitter and Facebook, I guess I'm about 8 million people or more, and I tweet myself. Now, sometimes I'll dictate during the day, right. but during the evening, when you see it after about 7 o'clock, usually it's me actually doing the work, and I have fun doing it, and I have great people. I have, it's at real Donald Trump, and I have a tremendous following, and many evangelicals, as you know, and I tweet myself. Let me ask you another on-the-record question. And you're driving, you can do, this is called multitasking. You're driving, asking a question. I'm going to ask you about Putin. What's the President Trump going to do with Putin? This guy's going into Syria, he's going into Ukraine. What's, what's the deal? David, he has no respect for President Obama whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And he will respect me, believe me, and he will respect our country again. I will actually get along with Putin. And I believe we will have a good relationship with Russia. Now, that's always subject to change, and maybe I'm wrong. But I will tell you, whether we have good or bad, he will respect us again. Mm, all right, good. Anyhow, this will so go on. This will go on. Here's my question. That, that's the... There, there. So, anyhow, it just gives you a sense, a little bit, of, of Donald Trump and his, and his tweeting skills. I will say this, that um, he's definitely confrontational on Twitter. It is worldly boldness. It's more about him. And with God, it has to be about... Christ-like boldness needs to be about him. Capital H. Um, and so that really is the difference. Um, David... King David, what a wonderful example of boldness. We know, we know the story, and of course, the one line that st- st- uh, sticks out to me, excuse me, he says, this is David speaking, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I love that, so bold. And then I thought to myself, what if Donald Trump had said that same line? So can I read you from the Trump uh, message Bible? This is what I think Trump would say if he was saying that same line. Here's what I come up with. Hey, Goliath, little Philistine. You cometh to me with a big old wimpy sword and with ridiculous looking spear and with a weak shield, which you totally overpaid for. (laughs) But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Great guy, by the way, the greatest. The God of the armies of Israel, lots of armies, tons of them. Whom thou hast defied, and you're now going to pay, and you're going to pay big league. (laughs) This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Trust me, he's going to do it. So true, so true. (laughs) And all this assembly ever shall know that the Lord saveth, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he always wins it. Trust me, he does. And he will give you into our hands, and I love when he does that. He's so loyal, so loyal. So, yeah. Uh, the point of reading that is that from the Donald Trump Message Bible, it's about him, and it's a little bit about the arrogance, and that is not Christ-like boldness. But Donald, excuse me, uh, God can use Donald Trump in wonderful, bold ways, 
And the good news is there's a lot of Christians around him right now. As we know in Washington, he is actually seeking out Mike Pence for prayer and many other folks around him. Uh, And so as we like to say, he's a work in progress, but aren't we all? Aren't we all? Um, You know, I cover politics in Washington for the 700 Club. Brett Kavanaugh obviously just confirmed um, as a... (laughs) Yeah, that was a slam dunk. That was not much of a big deal at all. Um, But you know what I noticed about that from a biblical perspective? He went in there, and, and when he was so frustrated and angry at his good name and honor and his family, he didn't operate in a spirit of fear. In other words, he wasn't afraid to lose his Supreme Court nomination seat. He said, you know what, I'm going to speak the truth the way he sees it, and I'm going to be bold. And whatever the consequences are, the consequences are. But as for us as Christians, I really saw a life lesson for us, which is we need to do the same thing. We need to be bold. Let's not worry about the consequences because he, with a capital H, Jesus has our back. Jesus has our back. You know, the Black Robe Regiment, I want to put a picture on the screen. There's a guy named Peter Muhlenberg. Uh, do we have, there, oh, he'll come up. There he is. 1776, he's part of the Black Robe Regiment. Have you heard about this before? These were pastors back in the Revolutionary War period who said, you know what? I'm going to speak boldly from the pulpit about political, moral, cultural issues of the day. Peter Muhlenberg, Woodstock, Virginia. There he is in church, and he, you can see... He had his black robe, his clerk or clergy robe on, and then he decides to shed it right there in front of his congregation. He says, you know what? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be taking up arms and going against the British army. And remember, at the time, that was pretty controversial. And he said this from Ecclesiastes. There was a time for all things, a time to preach, a time to pray. And then he said, but those times had passed away, that there was a time to fight, and that time had come now. So what did he do? He finished his... The service, I think it was the 11 a.m. service. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry, I did the Jewish thing there. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, can I just do a quick aside? I do have an evangelical look here. I mean, can you see? Like, this is very evangelical. I mean, I... <laughs> right. But Jewish, I'm Jewish, right? Now I got the Jewish look. <laughs> and I start slumping my shoulders and I do the whole thing. My back is killing me now. Uh, I can play it both ways. Anyhow, Peter Muhlenberg, so he goes out on the battlefield. He ended up becoming a major general. 300 others followed him into battle. Um, It's a wonderful story about standing, being bold for biblical principles. And we have no biblical examples of this. Uh, How about we not, as we say in the media, bury the lead? How about Jesus Christ? How about being bold for standing for the truth that is his truth on the cross and dying for all of us? How about Paul and Stephen being stoned? And Peter and John being imprisoned. Elijah, of course. Elijah goes to King Ahab and says, you know what? Not, well, I don't know if this is from the Message Bible, but we're not having any of this, King Ahab. I've heard from God, and you're going to get rid of all those idols. Matter of fact, he says, as the Lord, this is Elijah speaking in the Bible, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except at my word. And of course, what happened? He defeats the prophets, and uh, last time I checked, they're somewhere in a river somewhere. So, these are biblical examples, but there are real-life examples. And what I do at CBN, uh, I, I not just cover Donald Trump, but I cover folks that are standing up for biblical truth every single day. These are bold men and women, and quite frankly, there are so many right here in this congregation that have either done very bold things. People running for office, so important, so important. 
But there are folks that I have interviewed, and I'm going to, do you remember Kim Davis at all? She was the Kentucky county clerk who stood up for marriage. Remember her? Boy, that was a big deal at the time. Um, She decided, look, I'm not going to issue same-sex marriage license. And she defied a a U.S. federal court order at the time. And of course, at the time, the Supreme Court, I, I don't believe, had decided yet. And if they did, it was right around that time. So she took a stand, a biblical stand. And what I love about this, and I have to read this to you because, you know, she was married four times. She's the one taking a stand for marriage. Doesn't, doesn't God always do that? He uses the least among, or, you know, the least likely. I, I have to read this to you. She was married four times. Now, there'll be a test on this. Are you ready? She's married four times to three different men. The first three marriages ended in divorce in 1994, 2006, and 2008. She has two daughters from her first marriage and twins, a son and another daughter, who were born five months after her divorce from her first husband. Her third husband is the biological father of the twins, who were adopted by her second husband, who is also her fourth and current husband. (laughs) Let me repeat. No, I'm not going to repeat that. (laughs) It's too exhausting. I feel verklempt. Um, No, but the point is, is God God uses the least likely people. And I want to show you a little clip from Kim Davis being bold for Jesus. Christ-like boldness. Have a look. You know, here you are, you know, a Democrat, so to speak, you know. And, and, you know, someone that's had some struggles in her life. We've all had struggles. But that God uses folks like yourself. And do you ever thought about that? Just how, how God is just using folks in all different ways and folks that... It's all throughout the Bible, really. Yeah, I, uh, I, I struggled with, I struggled with that myself. You know, why would God, of all people, choose me, with my past, to stand up and defend something that I had failed so miserably at in the world? And, uh, and then I have to remember that uh, I'm a new person. You know, when I gave my life to Christ. You know, his blood cleansed me, washed me clean, and um, the old has passed away, and the new stands in front of you. And, um, yeah, I'm a very unlikely person to stand and to defend the Word of God. Hmm. So it's wonderful, wonderful. She mentioned it there in the video. So remember, I told you, I have to go back to my notes here. Uh, she was divorced three times. I think the last time in 2008, she gave her life to Christ in 2011. And this all happened in 2015. So you see the timeline. Jesus changes lives. And then Jesus doesn't shame. We know this. Jesus does This just in. Jesus doesn't shame you. He embraces you and will use everything in your life for his glory and that's what he did there Hmm. baron l davis is another woman i want to show you a quick little video clip baron l davis um a grandmother from washington state she was the one that she had a flower shop i don't know if you know about her yeah you know about her right she had a flower shop couple uh, a same-sex couple comes in and wants flowers for their wedding and she says, I can't do that. I believe in Jesus Christ. I can't do that. They sued her. And they went through all of the courts. As a matter of fact, went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where right now it seems like it's going to be going back to the lower court for 
they didn't say no, the Supreme Court didn't say no, but they want the lower court to review it again and maybe potentially bring it back to the Supreme Court. The point is, is that she fought this all the way. Well, guess what? The ACLU, we can go on and on. The point is, is that they bankrupt her. She has no money. Grandmother from Washington State, standing bold for Christ, not selling flowers to a same-sex couple for their wedding. And I want you to take a look at uh, what she told me. Evangelical Christians see you as someone fighting the good fight. How do you see yourself exactly? Sinner saved by grace. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a hero and I'm not a martyr. I just try to be obedient. Tell me a little bit about the financial impact this either has had on you, potentially will have on you, and how hard that has been. Well, if we lose the government and the ACLU, the attorney fees will be over a million dollars for the ACLU, and it will take everything we own, everything we've saved for, our retirement, our home, and our business, because they're also suing us personally and corporately. So uh, we'll possibly lose everything we own. Mm. Yeah, and that was uh, three years ago, and they've taken her for a lot more money since then. Um, so, but, but this is what happens when you have Christ-like boldness and you take a stand for Christ. We all say on paper, that's wonderful, that's great, that's fantastic. There's a price to pay. In her case, literally there's a price to pay. But it's important to understand that what are we supposed to do? Do the wrong thing just because it might cost us, as she said, some money? I don't think that's the way to do it. I don't. She clearly doesn't either. Um, one last video I want to show you, and this is from a guy by the name of Joe, uh, excuse me, Joe Kennedy. He's from Washington State as well. He's a high school football coach. I don't know if you remember this story. This has been in the news, right? Joe Kennedy, former Marine, by the way, so don't mess with him. And I tell you what, you know what he did? He, all he wanted to do was pray on the football field after the game. And by the way, when I say after the game, with both, with both teams, after both teams had cleared the field, and then to come back with whoever wanted to pray and pray at the 50-yard line. Uh, the school district in Washington State said, absolutely not. This is a First Amendment violation. Uh, he said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I said, he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Why don't we just do a 15-second prayer? That's all we'll do. We'll just do, because before it was going to be like three, four, five minutes after the game. We'll do 15 seconds. We'll just kneel at the 50-yard line, and that'll be it right after the game. That wasn't good enough either. He tried to compromise. They wouldn't hear anything of it. So he took them to court. Here we go. Court, court, court. It's also Supreme Court waiting to figure it out as that moves forward. But he was also standing for Christ-like boldness. And here is a little bit of his story. Of all the things that, you know, I could probably get in trouble for yelling at kids and making them, you know, do push-ups too much or some of those kind of things, praying is the farthest thing I, I ever thought anyone could be fired for. I, I just want to stand up for, you know, the religious freedoms that everybody's supposed to have. You know, I served our country for 20 years to support and defend the Constitution. And I, I don't understand how the freedoms that are in the Constitution don't apply to people in America. So, really, I'm standing up for that. And for anybody who doesn't have a voice, it's just something that I think every American should do is stand up. They said that, you know, they give me a private place away from everybody else. Um, but before I even started coaching, I, I made an agreement with God. It was my covenant with him that I was going to give him, you know, I was 
going to give him praise, win or lose, for those young men that just battled on the field after every game on the 50. And by doing that would be breaking my commitment with God. And, you know, I've broken a lot of promises in my life. And the one that I really don't want to break is with God and, and with my, my wife. So those are the two things that are sacred to me. If I don't have that, then what do I have? And I'm trying to teach these young men, you know, to do what's right. Well, I got to set that example. Love that. Love that. So once again, example after example of Christ-like boldness. And like I said, there are folks here today in this room that this is going to happen to you. And what I mean by that is that there's going to be times where you're going to need to stand. You're going to need to stand in the face of a culture that's gone haywire. Especially, obviously, here in California. I mean, do I need to tell you? (laughs) There I go. Sorry, it's just natural. Um, Look, there are so many, there are so many issues at the local level. And I know Pastor Rob talks about this all the time, but whether it be the PTA, the school board, city council, whatever it happens to be. And I know because of all you going to this church, you know how he's talked about that bean patch in front of your front yard. Just for those that don't know, just this idea that, you know what, take care of your own bean patch right there in front of your yard. And I don't mean from a landscaping perspective, I mean from a moral landscaping perspective. In other words, get involved. Get involved right where you are, whether it be the PTA, the school board, uh, the city council. Uh, Rob clearly is, uh, Pastor Rob's clearly an example of that. And there are many others, uh, many others uh, that are doing that. And so look, um, they're, they're coming. You know, when I say they're coming, you know, many of the, whether it be transgender issues, whether it be uh, the life issue, whether it be in your textbooks of your children, we've known this for years, but it has even gotten far worse, far worse in this culture just in the last few years. Really, it has. Um, and so, as much as I like to say that these folks are standing for Christ-like boldness, there is another side that's standing for boldness as well. It's not Christ-like boldness necessarily, but it's boldness. The media is bold. The mainstream media is bold. CNN is bold. They don't play around, for sure. I can tell you, I remember being on CNN one time, uh, I will say, I'll say something positive about the media real quick. I've been on Meet the Press um, actually now 18 times. Uh, October 21st, the next time, by the way. Quick little plug. Um, and they have a Christian on there, which is great. I bring my John 316 sign. No, I don't. I should do that. With the crazy wig, I should do that. That would be fun. I could go viral. Um, that would be actually... I'm going to think about that, actually. Um, but I'm on CNN quite often, and I'll never forget, I was doing a segment on Judeo-Christian values, and I was on with Dr. Russell Moore, Southern Baptist Convention, and it was a pre-tape with Anderson Cooper, and it was at 5 p.m. The show is at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We taped at 5 p.m. Eastern. We did this whole thing about Judeo-Christian values, all of that, and then I had an opportunity to talk about the gospel, and I talked about the cross and Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. I mean, I basically laid out the gospel presentation for about 25 seconds succinctly on CNN, and I was so excited, or in California, stoked, whatever, um, I was so very excited, and I texted Dr. Moore. I said, wasn't that great? I was just on CNN, and then he chimed in, too. And we were like, yes, this is wonderful. I watched it back later because it was a pre-tape. It was gone. It was gone. Our five-minute segment had become three minutes 
three and a half minutes, and they took that part out. The enemy is alive and present. And I can tell you, it's definitely in the media landscape for sure. And so I'm so thankful to CBN to allow uh, uh, myself and others at CBN to have all this access to, to Donald Trump. I'll, I'll never forget on that golf course with Donald Trump, he one time said to me, he said, David, because he's known me, like I said, for about eight years, he said, David, I don't know, there's something different about you. I can't quite figure it out. Well, at the time, I was in the moment, I didn't say it, but I hopefully will um, soon. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and, and people, Donald Trump and others, need people around them to tell them the truth, the biblical truth. So, look, the media, ha- uh, media, li- media likes to peddle fake news, but we have the good news. And that is most important. So, in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 3, 11, and 12, it says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. And I love in Acts chapter 4, we know this about Peter and John being in prison, the Sadducees and all of that, and what they say. And I want to put this up on the screen behind you. I don't know if it's the right version that I have, but we hope it is. If not, um, we'll hope for the best. But this is in Acts 4, 1 through 33. This is Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. This is Christ-like boldness displayed. Here we are. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. The hashtag never Jesus crowd, by the way. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, the key right there, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Well, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men... They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there, right there in front of them, like, duh. Oh, I'm sorry, it doesn't say that, but duh. (laughs) There was nothing they could say, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, I love this, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how, uh, how to punish them because all 
the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. I love this here. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, not stirred. Maybe it was stirred a little bit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love that. This is what we need today. We need to shake this place up. We need to stir this place up. The enemy's coming. The enemy's here. And I think the question just becomes, what are we going to do about it? God's army has the numbers. But do we have the will? Do we have the boldness, the Christ-like boldness? Not the Twitter, worldly Trump boldness. Proverbs 21, excuse me, 28, 1 says this, and we all know it. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In other words, whatever happens, happens. We need to have that attitude that God is for the righteous because it's his truth. If he's defending his word, he'll take care of it. And when we're working and doing with purpose, when we have purpose, that is something that is extremely important when we're playing to an audience of one. An audience of Jesus only, not a school board, not a city council, not uh, your friends who are questioning Jesus, any of that. Hezekiah. How about Hezekiah? We know about Hezekiah. King Ahaz, his father. Not the best guy in the world. Uh, But when King Ahaz, his father, left, Hezekiah got to work. Some of what he did. The pagan altars, idols, temples destroyed. Temple in Jerusalem. Remember the doors were locked? No more. Passover reinstituted as a national holiday at the time. All done by Hezekiah. There's so much more. Bottom line, if you do and act in God's boldness that he gives, we don't do it on our own. He gives it. We can turn this nation around. Hezekiah did a lot of that. So, I just want to conclude. Um, A lot of you may think, okay, great, Hezekiah, phenomenal, great Trump, right? Great guy. I love that guy. Um, But ultimately, we're not biblical characters, right? I mean, we're not Hezekiah. We're not Paul, Peter. Well, actually, sure. Absolutely. Because we have Jesus. They had Jesus. We have Jesus. So therefore, if they have boldness, we have boldness. But we have to ask for it. We have to receive it. And it's freely given by him, that boldness. So, I'm just going to list down some things and ask you. Is it time to get outside of your comfort zone? 
What about sharing Christ with someone? What about inviting someone to church? What about running for school board? What about standing up to a bully at school? What about just voting? That's bold for a lot of people right now, quite frankly. What about getting involved in your own bean patch? You know, if someone's being falsely accused, what about speaking up? Do you remain silent? Look, I can go down this list, and I'm guilty of quite a few of them. I'm not saying, I'm I'm not here to preach, so to speak. But I am here to tell you simply, all of this are bold steps that we can all take. So, I just want to leave you with that. I would just say in conclusion, we all know the verse, Philippians 4.13, right? Uh, Donald Trump knows it, but this is Donald Trump's version. I can do all things. (laughs) And it just ends there. He's like, I love that verse. That's a great verse. No, no, there's more, Donald. There's more. (laughs) Uh, No, I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ who strengthens me. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. I was going to pray. Yeah, I just, I did want to pray before we left, uh, before I leave. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that, uh, that you brought me here today to just deliver what you want to say, Lord. Lord, there's many of us that are struggling with boldness and the timing of boldness and when to be bold or to be bold at all. So I just pray, Lord, that you give a Holy Spirit infusion to everyone here, that they will be bold in whatever way, 10% more boldness, 20%. It doesn't matter. At this point, Lord, I just pray that there is a marching down the field of boldness for you and that we do it in kindness and in love, but in your truth. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.